Hello, everyone, and welcome to Repotted, the rerouted podcast. My name is Brian Schoening. I'm your host every week on Repotted. I'm here with our CEO and founder, Chap Grub. Chap, how's it going today, man? Oh, it's a beautiful day out in Taos, New Mexico. It feels like it's the middle of summer, even though it's late November. Yeah, you know, in uh, in Boston, it was feeling the same way. It was like 60-something degrees today. We were out playing mini soccer for, you know, three <laughs> three hours or something. It was it was a it was a blast. We're hoping to get hoping to get a few more of these of these nice days. We have a really really interesting guest with us today, chap. How about you go ahead and uh, introduce our guest, Chris? Chris, this, this is our guest, Chris McCaffrey, and Chris and I have been going back and forth on social media. But I'll just let him tell you a little bit about himself. Yeah, hey everybody, um, I'm Chris McCaffrey. I'm here in Boulder, Colorado. Yeah, we're all, we're all spread out around the country right now. And uh, it's also a beautiful day in Boulder, as is every day in Boulder. Cool, Chris. Well, we're super excited to have you on. I know we've had a little bit of conversations about some of the really rad stuff that you've been doing. You mentioned you've both lived in a school bus and in a Volkswagen van. So I just would love for you to dig a little bit deeper into that for, for our audience. Oh man. So the, uh, the school bus scene to really, to really, Jeff, we haven't, we haven't actually, I feel like I gave you the briefest description ever. Perfect. So, the, the school bus. I work for a company called Alaska Mountain Guides, sister company to Chilkat Guides and the International Wilderness Leadership School. Um, mm-hmm. We're based up in Haines, Alaska. And um, the way we do like most of the, the core guides um, do the Alaska season is we'll drive up there in whatever vehicle or take a, a ferry or a plane or anything like that. And um, we have a school bus colony we have like six school buses, none of which run in the <laughs> woods behind Haynes. It's called the yard. And there's like 30 people living in this school bus colony every spring, summer, and fall. And just hanging out and getting after it in the southeastern Alaska and up in the Yukon and the northern British Columbia. I'm that's sorry. A- so is this is this like a makeshift RV park that's just school buses that that you got a crew of people living in up there? Absolutely. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and everyone's everyone's a mountain guide. Cool. So so remind me, what was that? program called and then what is the kind of role that you guys are doing are you guys going on backpacking trips or is it kind of everything yeah so um it's alaska mountain guides or the international wilderness leadership school are where if people are interested you can find the courses that uh that i'm i'm teaching and guiding up there um and i i do a lot of different stuff for alaska mountain guides um in the coming seasons i believe i'll probably be doing a little bit more heavy on the ski mountaineering scene um, in the springs and into early summer in Alaska. Um, we're really fortunate in Haines to have obviously just unreal heli skiing in, um, you know, January, February, March. Um, but the ski mountaineering season really blows up in like April and May once you can get up high on the glaciers. Cool. Um, so yeah, teaching ski mountaineering courses. And then once real summer rolls along, I'm kind of all over the place doing some, some private client work with sea kayaking, glacial travel. And then one of my favorites as of a couple of years ago was um, I started doing these like day trip sea kayaking things with like 
just random people off of like cruise ships and stuff. Like, yeah, I was kind of used to having like the customer who's really into whatever we're doing in that given, that given day, like people coming on a ski mountaineering trip, obviously like ski people wanting to do mountaineering courses, obviously spend time outside, but you get some like 65 year old Texan who's like never seen ice and like you're paddling up next to a glacier and their world is just like exploding. That's, that's like, oh, yeah. That's really awesome. Like so well. are the, are the cruise ships like a, a huge kind of source of, of tourism there? I, I spent oh. the summer in, uh, I spent the summer in Ketchikan, Alaska. Oh, My nice. dad was a, was a pilot um, doing, he was a seaplane pilot doing uh, flights into the Misty Fjords. And there were so wow. many ships coming through there and so many, so many tourists. It was, it was kind of an incredible, like the, the entire city, like, sets up for the the tourism season with these with these cruise ships coming through yeah so cruise ships are a huge source of the of income the this the skiing and the mountaineering is like that's definitely like the that's like where the show is but the cruise ships are definitely where like the cruise ship program pays for the other programs um, now now chris i know what ski mountaineering is I bet Brian probably does. Would you give like a definition for the audience who might not know the difference between like skiing versus ski mountaineering? Yeah. So ski mountaineering is like, if you take, if you take skiing and then make it like significantly more uncomfortable in every way. (laughs) Um, No, ski ski mountaineering uh, just. This isn't the best sales pitch I've ever heard, but (laughs) keep going. Ski mountaineering is just, it's uh, basically backcountry skiing. And I would add that ski mountaineering generally involves um, also more of an appreciation or focus on the climbing side of things and accessing that terrain. So I would say that ski mountaineering, you can be skiing any type of difficulty of terrain, but if you're, you know, doing rope work and like traveling on a glacier with crampons and stuff in order to access that line, then that's ski mountaineering. Whereas, you know, more normal backcountry skiing might be, or ski touring, um, where you're actually using skis like that you can, um, with alpine touring bindings or think, skis that you can, you can walk uphill with like cross-country skis or telemark skis to access, to access terrain that way as opposed so, to. It sounds like, Chris, that I need to make a plan for this winter so we can do some socially distanced ski mountaineering up in Colorado. I need to find my way up there to make that happen. And you got to come down to Taos to visit me. Snow is going to be great this year. I hope I would love to ski Taos. I have never skied in New Mexico and I would love to. Yeah. We should definitely go ski some, uh, we can go ski some 14ers in Colorado. That sounds rad. Uh, My first backcountry skiing experience was St. Mary's glacier up off the I-70 corridor. One of my favorite trips of this whole year. I, I was, I got really, really keen on biking this year. Nice. Uh, and I decided that, um, it would be a great idea to bike to the St. Mary's Glacier with my skis. What? You yeah, so I, go back country skiing? Yeah. And I skied wow. like a maximum of like 15 feet. <laughs> <laughs> it was just an absolute suffer fest. Earn those turns. <laughs> That's what they say. Um, Chris, love the bus story. Do you have what? Give me the three sentence description of the bus. Like walking into the bus you lived in. What what was it like? 
Um, so the core of the bus colony was the, the cook bus. Um, you, you walk in the door as if you are a, a middle school child and you turn to your left and you've got like four dudes <laughs> making usually omelets of some kind. Um, and everyone is also planning whatever they're gonna do with the rest of the daylight because the sun never sets. Right. That's like the essence of the yard. That's amazing. Uh, it sounds like a, uh, so what, you said there were about 30 people? Is that what you said? Yeah, we had like 30 people. And also I just said four dudes because in my head I was picturing four very specific people. Um, however, uh, I feel like it's worth, it's worth mentioning that at Alaska Mountain Guides and, and in, in the yard, this, this bus colony, if you will, um, there are plenty of women and there are plenty of gals who will absolutely whoop my ass Oh yeah. Any aspect of guiding and the activities we're getting up to. Absolutely. Um, the raft guides. Yeah. yeah. They're so sick. Yeah. I, I definitely know that while there is this like kind of image that the adventure sports that we all participate in are very male dominated, that might be true in a pure numbers sense, but in terms of skill level, I think that there's almost no differentiation. I think that there are equally as talented women out there as there are men in the same amount of numbers. Absolutely. Sweet. So Brian, I know that we kind of talk a little bit about gear, but I know I want to know more about his van, especially because yeah. I live in a van. Yeah. So let's hear, let's hear about your van. And then maybe if you have a, if you have a specific piece of gear that's been with you for a while, we, we generally ask our, our guests about a particular piece of gear that holds a special meaning to them. That's, you know, maybe been with them for a while. So tell us a little bit about your van and then, uh, and then maybe tell us about a, a specific piece of gear that, that holds some meaning to you. Oh man. How long do we have? <laughs> as long uh, as we, want. we we can go as long as the conversation is fun because the van life, I mean, like I said, I lived in a van. I lived in a van that was about six years older than Chris's van. I know I bawled my eyes out for a week when I had to sell my van. The sentiment and the stories that I built with that van are so meaningful. And I'm really excited to hear you share a little bit about your van experience. So I drive a, a bright blue 1987 Volkswagen Vanagon Synchro. Um, it's got a 2.2 Subaru engine in it. It, it rips that thing. I was, I had a Jeep prior. The van again is infinitely faster. The van is very cool when it works. I unfortunately had a little bit of a, um, what's the word? Not a mishap, but, uh, I got stiffed by a mechanic. Essentially. I bought it off of this guy who, who owns a shop. And um, kind of assumed that by buying someone with the Volkswagen, you know, name that mm. I'd be getting like a really well-maintained vehicle. Um, and then it basically, and I, I bought it in April. It has driven for like a week. And so it's been like, it's been a little bit of a struggle on the van again, but it's extraordinarily fun. I also got like one of the best trips ever out of it my uh one of my best friends um nika um nika campbell she's very cool and a fantastic artist and yeah 
if anyone's looking for like really, really cool art stuff, Nika's so rad. And she and I went up to Lander, Wyoming for a couple weeks this fall. And um, it was like prime climbing season right on the edge between, if anyone knows anything about climbing and Lander, there's two main destinations. You've got Wild Iris, which is this incredible limestone sport climbing area. And you've got Sinks Canyon. Wild Iris is really high elevation, like nearing 10,000 feet and usually very cold. And then Sinks is just direct sunlight um, and much lower elevation. And we got it where while on our time in Lander, we were able to climb at both places in good temperatures. And that was like, who gets that? That was, that was like the best thing ever. The weather was fantastic. In Lander, you can park in the city, like in the city, uh, called like Lander City Town Park, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can park in the, like right downtown. Um, and it was a little weird with, um, I'm being pretty, um, trying to be very aware of the fact that we're in like a global pandemic and me traveling, not make sure there's no chance of me transmitting to anyone else. Yeah, so it was a little weird. Didn't get the full Lander Town Park camp for Yosemite type vibes, but um, it was still very cool. Just like everyone was, the energy was super high. Like this huge park is just like littered with climbers and, you know, you've got climbing gear everywhere and there's like multiple ropes on top of every car when you pull in in the afternoon and it's. That sounds rad. I, I've never been to Sinks or a Wild Iris. I have, however, been to Ten Sleep and Vedavu. So I've spent a lot of time in Southern Wyoming doing rock climbing. Chris is not exaggerating. It is some of the most beautiful country out there. It's fantastic. So what, you guys were up there for a week, Chris? Yeah, uh, I think, yeah, we're like a week, maybe a little longer. Um, yeah, I just went up there in the, in the Vanagon. And that was definitely like some of the highlights of the time in the Vanagon. Like everyone yeah. just like smiles. They see this bright blue Volkswagen bus driving by. You know, it is frustrating when the vehicle breaks down. However also can be plenty of blessings from it. I, so yeah, Nick and I, we're driving along the interstate near, we're near Laramie at this point. And I, I'm in fourth gear and all of a sudden I just have like no power. So then like I go down to, yeah. And then like, I just have nothing. So I pull out, like get over the hill, like creep it over and like pull off on the side. And like, yeah, Nika hops out, starts like pushing along the like side of the highway so that we can like pull off into the grass and um it turns out that uh i thought the fuel gauge was broken and so when i had noted that the fuel gauge read empty and i had just filled up i had assumed that the fuel gauge was broken but rather the fuel gauge was was quite correct and as soon as it had empty we did indeed run out of gas that, so that, that sucked a little bit, but uh, then one of these people from, from, the, from Alaska in the bus setup, I just see this blue school bus, this dark blue school bus with, uh, with horns on the front of it coming down the highway. And they, they just cruise past us. And I call my buddy Jake and I was like, Jake, are you in Southern Wyoming right now? He's like, yeah. Are you broken down on the side of the highway? And I was like, yeah, we are. Oh, wait. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so this was just like one of your buddies that just happened to drive by as you were broken down in the middle of Southern Wyoming. Uh, yeah, it was. He unfortunately didn't get didn't get the phone call until he was a little too far away to to be of much aid. But 
it was it was still a great moment yeah that's wild man what are the chances astronomical oh man it makes me want to go live in a bus again chris so i gotta ask i won't be specific this is are you talking about the van guy in boulder no okay yeah 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 because that this this, i had really good experiences with that yeah there's there's a couple of places you can go to get vanigans worked on in boulder and they all seem to be wonderfully knowledgeable. I bought it off a dude in Wisconsin. Cool. Brian, you want to you wanna press Chris to answer our question again? Hmm. Yeah, so just just one more. What's a, what's a piece of gear that you, that you have that maybe you've had for, for a while and been on, on lots of trips with you? We, we talked about kind of your, your living in a bus and, and uh-huh. living, in, living the van life, but what's a, what's a piece of gear that for a lot of your outdoor trips has been, has been meaningful? So I think there's, there's a couple. Um, yeah, I'm going to say that there, there's a couple, I, I have a Beal Tiger rope. It's a 10 millimeter for like many years. And this rope has no right to be in as good as the condition as it is. Like I have thrashed this thing on like multi-pitch snow and ice roots and like, (laughs) big alpine roots that like you should not bring a 10 millimeter rope on and like running over edges on limestone and stuff and it's like seems like oh yeah it might have seen a couple pitches so that's a great piece of gear um so that's one on to the next my um duder backpack it's oh it's the trail the trail 30 liter all which right is like yeah i just like bought it at rei and like didn't really think much of it i thought i was going to use it for like a you know, just to haul stuff around town, but it's mm. unbelievably comfortable. It's like the best bag ever. And I've had it for uh, many years, but I, love- I think, yeah, it's a great bag, but I think the, the piece of kit that is most memorable isn't one that I actually use anymore. I lost a lot of weight uh, a few years ago. Like congratulations. That's awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't fit anymore, unfortunately. But there's this guy, Rob Swan. He's been one of my, he was one of my like, heroes growing up. And, uh, um, you know, people had, a lot of kids have like football players or basketball players. But I read about this dude, Rob Swan. He was the first person to walk to both the South and North Poles. And I was very fortunate, um, uh, like four years ago now, that I got to go to Antarctica. Whoa. With, yeah, with Rob. What? Um, which was a very cool experience. Yeah. Um, and I feel incredibly privileged that I had that opportunity. But at the end of the trip, Rob, we're, we were, you know, traveling on a, we're traveling on a small boat um, along, along the peninsula, um, working on uh, climate and conservation initiatives, uh, within Antarctica. And at the end of the trip, Rob gave me this Patagonia hard shell jacket that he'd been using for his Antarctic seasons. And it's bright red and it has his name and the little tag on the inside. And so then I, he gave that to me and I've like cherished it forever. That's That's awesome. That's such a cool story. It was not only meeting a hero that went really, really well. You know, you hear about people like meeting their heroes and then, you know, not being that impressed. It seems like you met your hero and then became friends with him and then he gave you his jacket. That's awesome. 
Oh, he's so rad. He's like the nicest guy in the world. And um, speaking of shouting out other very cool people, there was um, also this guy, Jeff Benaldi, who was organizing and leading these trips. He runs the Explorer's Passage, which is um, now a pretty well-renowned adventure travel organization focused on um, kind of moving away from the fancier cruise side of things and more into environmental work whilst also visiting incredibly, you know, meaningful destinations. Um, and yeah, Jeff was, Jeff was there and we had like, yeah, it was very cool. Chris, I got to know more about Antarctica. I think we are getting close to wrapping it up, but I got to know a little bit more about Antarctica. What was like, so how long were you down there? What was that like? And maybe what was the coldest temperature you remember? So I will spin that last one because I was on the peninsula when it broke a record for warmest like recorded temperature (gasps) we were like it was literally like approaching 60 fahrenheit what yeah it was it was ridiculous um we were there in the beginning of march okay and it's usually i mean like when the sun's that far south it it definitely gets warmer days but it was like it was like hot Um, wow and uh so yeah it was very it was very warm i unfortunately did not get to suffer as much as i might have um been keen on on an antarctic trip but now i guess i just got to go back but um but yeah the uh i was there with um yeah again i just feel really privileged that i had the uh the opportunity i was there with this organization called climate force 2041 um and the, the goal is to bring together uh, climate and environmental leaders to help plan for and educate for um, protection of Antarctica and the Antarctic Peninsula because the Antarctic Treaty um, in like a decade or two goes back up for renewal. And at the current rate, it's not really being talked about, but it doesn't look like there's, there's enough of a chance that it won't get renewed because there are oil reserves found within and underneath the Antarctic ice sheet. And so, um, yeah, that was kind of the, the premise, but um, yeah, I got, to, I got to go down there. I've spent, ended up, oh man, it's probably like two, two, like two or three week trips over two seasons. And then um, fortunately also got to spend a bunch of time in Patagonia when we got back, which was like the coolest. That was, yeah, it's an incredible part of the world. Chris, it feels like we could do like eight different podcasts. And I feel like we're going to have to have you back to talk more about some of this amazing stuff. The one, I know Brad's going to do a wrap up and you might have another question for you. I do need to add from rerouted standpoint, as much as Chris loves his rope, five years, you guys, you ought to be, you ought to be careful with those ropes and make sure yeah. that you're keeping them new and safe. So Absolutely. I have, I have another, I have another year on a uh, year and a half on, on mine. And also I've only taken five legit, like, like fat whips on it and I've flipped five. So Perfect. She, she's bomber. That's, 
That sounds great. I just wanted to throw that safety measurement in there for the podcast sake. Um, Brian, you want to wrap us up and ask any final questions? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, Chris. It sounds like you've got a million and a half stories, and we might just have to have you on as, as a recurring guest down the road uh, at some point. But I, I've really enjoyed listening. Um, and uh, on, behalf of, on behalf of Rerouted and, and Chap and I, thanks for coming and thanks for, thanks for being on, our, on our, what's, gonna, what's going to end up being our, our Thanksgiving episode of, uh, of the Rerouted podcast. We're going to be posting this the week of Thanksgiving. So I guess final question is, um, you know, what, what are you thankful for in the outdoors, man? That's a great question, Brian. I am very grateful for the people that I get to... I get to spend time with in the outdoors, particularly during the, during the pandemic, not really having the, the large group hanging out type of, type of deal that I've been able to get to know like really wonderful people in, in the outdoors, like through ski touring and climbing. And uh, yeah, I'm very, very thankful for all my friends who are, yeah. That really was an awesome, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that that's an awesome one. Um, and and final final thing, just where can where can people find your your Instagram, any of your any of your kind of social media, and and what you're what you're up to? Um, you can find me on Instagram at Chris Goes Outdoorsing <laughs> with an ing on the end. I love it. I've, I've been thinking about changing it, but then every time I think about changing it, I'm like, yeah, why would I change it? So I don't. No, no that's, um, that's great. I think, I think perfect. you should keep that one. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm sure you can, we can post the, uh, my Instagram yeah. somewhere. And then I'm also you thinking will. about um, starting a, starting a YouTube channel. Um, and I have a film coming out in a couple, uh, three weeks. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Give, us, give, us that. three, give us three sentences about that real quick. What's the film about? I lost work because of the pandemic. I decided that I wanted to climb and also bike. And I then biked to Canada and back from Colorado with my climbing gear. Amazing. That's fantastic. We cannot wait to see it. We will make sure you guys have all the links to that. Make sure that gets in the show notes. Chris, Brian and I are both really grateful having you on the show. This has been really fun for all of us. We're really excited to share what you're working on and looking forward to you know, doing this again soon. Brian, yeah. you want to close, close this down for us? Yeah, just thanks again to Chris. That's been Repot It. <laughs>